just several several things. Um, we started a new a new ministry this morning, and so uh, the junior high kids. There's a special uh, program up there uh, for them in the upstairs classroom. Um, if if you're a junior high student and you want to do that, you can do that. Uh, if I were you, I would try that at least once. They got a bunch of donuts and stuff up there. So anyway, that's up to you. Uh, I, encourage, I encourage you, uh, our ladies' night out, this is Friday. The third Friday of every month, we either have a men's night or a ladies' night. And I encourage you, ladies, this is a great opportunity to invite some people that may feel uncomfortable coming on Sunday morning. And so I invite you, I encourage you to do that. It's a great way to meet people. And uh, the last thing is, uh, would you all put the website up on the screen? Um, if you've never been to our website, that's the best way to find out what's going on. We also do a newsletter every week. Uh, we can only send a newsletter to you if we have your email address. So if you've never, you know, put it, that down, we cannot send that to you. Um, but we're starting our fall semester of life groups in about three weeks. And um, we have all kind of small groups. We have a marriage enrichment small group. We have uh, Dave Ramsey, financial peace. If you have financial trouble, I would encourage you to do that. Um, we have once a month groups that meet in home. We have Bible studies. We have groups that meet on Saturday, Friday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night. It's, there's a bunch of them. There's about 20 of them. And our goal is we want you to be in a group. And uh, we want you to know people and, and to grow. And so basically you go to our website. And under, and under connect, you go down to groups and you click on that. And it lists all of our groups. You can just scroll through there and see which group. You may want, everything's digital, and you can even just sign up for that class right then. So uh, that's, that's a great way. We really encourage you to, you to do that, all kind of different groups to choose from. And so anyway, we're, we're excited about that. And uh, we're no more, everything's online, no more, no more sign-ups. Those sign-ups are, you just can't have 20 sign-ups in the Life Center. And plus, you know, it's funny, some people never register and then they come. Some people register twice online and they sign up. In, in pencil or pen back there at the Life Center. So anyway, well, we're so glad you're here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Laws of Success. And basically, we're on a journey to discover what it takes for us to reach our maximum potential, to reach the potential that God created, uh, created in us, uh, you know, to do, to achieve. And here's the thing, whether you feel like it or not, whether you believe in yourself or not, God believes in you. And he created you with a purpose. And, and the way we help other people, the way that we give back to our communities in the kingdom of God is when we do what God has called us to do. <clears throat> but uh, sadly, most people don't reach their potential. Most people, uh, they sell themselves short. And studies uh, suggest, all these researchers have done these studies, and what, they've, what they found is that highly successful people they just live differently than the average person. And basically, uh, there are some internal qualities that they've attached, that, that, that they've latched onto, that they've implemented in their lives that really allow them <clears throat> to go farther and do greater things. There's two things you know about the laws of success. The first thing is this. The laws of success can be used by anyone. Uh, contrary to what people in the news and all tell us, the one thing they found when they studied highly successful people, that, that race, socioeconomic background, education, those weren't the highest indicators of success. The highest indicators of success were internal character qualities. And here's the thing, internal character qualities, 
We, we can all do that. We can, we can jump on that. We can change things. You know, I can't change how tall I am, but I can change if I'm a good father or not. I can't, I can't change the color of my hair. Well, I, I could actually. I'm not going to, okay? But I can't change the family that I was born into, but I can, decide to, I, I can decide to be a godly man and read my Bible and pray and fast and, and grow. So the, all these laws I'm talking about, they're achievable. You can get them in your life, but it takes, a little, it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of determination and discipline. So let me do a quick review. Oh, and the second thing is that all these laws are biblically based. So this isn't a feel-good, motivational speak. All these are in the Bible. You can find them. Uh, we're going through them. The first law was the law of vision. The law of vision says you have to know where you're going to get there. I remember years ago, the peanut cartoon, uh, Charlie Brown had a bow and arrow and he was shooting a fence. That was a long fence. He was shooting a fence and wherever the arrow would land, he'd go draw a circle around it. <laughs> See, that's funny, except some of you are living that way. Okay, anyway, I, I, that's a killer of the joke right there. But Lucy said, what are you doing? He says, well, when I do it this way, I never miss. Well, you know what? If we have a vision and we have a target and we're shooting for it and we miss a little bit to the right, we're still close. We're still close. We know we're going in the right direction. So the first thing, if you're going to be successful, you have to clearly articulate. You have to clearly define certain goals in your life. If, you know, for example, if you want to have a great marriage, define what that means. What does it mean to have a great marriage? Does a great marriage mean we don't fight? No, a great marriage means we communicate. You know, we have unconditional love for each other. And you need to draw, draw up a vision for every area of your life, for your career, for your relationships, for your spiritual life. Law number two is the law of the mind. And what they found is that successful people think differently than unsuccessful people. When problems, we all know it, uh, you know, when problems in life come, some people just fold up like a lawn chair and they get negative and they get critical and they get all this. Other people are optimistic. They have faith. Well, I'll try again. This time I'll ask God to help me. I mean, they, they think differently. And law number three was the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping says this, that if you don't like where you're at today, you need to change your behavior. Because your actions, your behavior, how you live today determines the fruit you get next week. Next, next six months from now, a year from now. So, you know, don't complain about where you're at in life. Just change how you're living. Change the actions that you're doing, and it'll change the results that you get. And last week we talked about uh, the law of, of life management, and really it was about time management. And the thing, is, the thing is this, is we all have 24 hours in a day. There's only seven days in a week, but some people get more out of life than others. We all have the same amount of time. But some people just use their time more efficiently, more effectively. We talked about that, and you can listen to that on the website if you want to. So today is law number five, the law of faith. The law of faith. And successful people have the ability to believe that what they're fighting for will come to pass. I talk to people sometimes, and like, I'm like, you know, where are you going? What do you want? They're like, well, I hope that one day I can. Don't hope. Don't hope. Or have you ever talk, asked to somebody, maybe you talk to your kids, and I need you to do this. Well, I'll try. <laughs> no, don't try. Do it. <clears throat> and I think that's what God says to us, you know, uh, his children. D don't, don't just have a pipe dream out there. Have a vision that's worth fighting for 
And then go after it. Grow your faith to the point where you can possess what God has called you to have. Remember the children of Israel, God tried to get them in the promised land. If you read the Bible there, he tried to get them in the promised land 18 months, but their faith wouldn't allow them. So they all had to wander around the wilderness for 38 years while that whole generation died. And God could raise up a generation that had faith to possess land. you got to have faith to, to do great things in life and to accomplish great things. So having a strong faith, it basically just, it's the wind in ourselves. It pushes us over the finish line. Hebrews 11.6 says this, that in without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's incredible. So if we don't have faith, if we don't grow our faith, it's impossible for us to please God. Because what pleases God is when we do the things he has called us to do. And we can't do things that God has called us to do without faith. It takes faith uh, to obey some of the things that God has has called us to do. So I broke this verse down in, in, in two things. It says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Then it says this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the first thing is believe that he exists. And that's saving faith. And you know the, Bible's, the Bible says that you're saved by believing. By believing. You have to believe. And that word, that word believe, uh, you know, there in the Greek, it's not what, you know, we... we like today, if you ask the majority of Americans, I believe it's still like 75% of people say that they believe in God. And what, the, what that means, now you watch how they live and you know that they don't really, I don't know, I'm not sure that they really believe, you know. But what, what, what that saying is, I believe there may be, there may be a God. I believe that po- it's possible, you know, this word believes that that leads to salvation. It's, it's to be fully persuaded. When you're willing to put 100%, you're willing to go 100% into Jesus, into Christianity, into your faith, you're fully persuaded, you're 100% um, convinced that there's a creator of the world and that he has a plan uh, for your life. Now, the second thing is this, and this is where many, many Christians miss it. See, most of you, I'm, I'm assuming the, the vast majority of you here today, oh, you, you believe with, with 100% certainty, uh, you know, that God, God created our world. He has a plan for your life. You believe that. But the second thing, and what we fell on is, we have to believe that he rewards obedience. Because he, he, here's, here's, it says that God rewards our obedience. Now, here's the thing. Do you know why most Christians, it's true for me, it's true for you, it's true for all of us. The reason how come we know a biblical principle, but we don't obey it? Why, why is that? If I ask you, do you believe the Bible 100%? Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. Okay, why aren't you doing that? It says to do that. That's a good question. Let me, th- let me come back. The reason we believe it's true, but we're worried that if we actually follow on that and take a step out in faith, that God won't come through for us. That, that's the truth. And the biggest thing, I'll just say it, the biggest thing is money. We know that God wants us to give. God wants us to tithe. Many don't. Why? Because there's a fear that if I give that 10%, now we, we don't really think like this, but what, consciously, but unconsciously, if I give that 10%, what we're saying is I just don't think God's big enough to come to cover that. So think about it. If there's any principle in the Bible that you're not obeying, it's because you don't trust 
that if I obey that, that God will come through for you. It's in every, every area of our life. So we have to understand, uh, you know, faith means we take a risk. We get out there on the limb. You know, we, we put ourselves out there. And, and what the Bible says is that God rewards when we step out in faith to follow what he has asked us to do. Uh, one, one of my pastor friends, he's, he's been saying this for years, and uh, it's kind of funny to me, but he says that we're, we're educated way above our obedience level. I mean, people in church for years, and they're still not obeying something they learned 30 years ago. We're educated. It's up here. Faith is here. Faith is right here. You believe with your heart. You believe that he's going to come through for you. So now th this, this verse tells us that God rewards obedience and that he supersedes the natural realm so we can step out and obey him and trust in that. Now, Romans 12, 3, another interesting verse, it says this, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each a measure of faith. Now, here's the next thing. Sometimes people tell me, well, the problem is, Terry, I just don't have faith. Everyone has faith. Everyone has a measure of faith. Now, your measure may be small because you haven't grown it, but everyone has, get, has been given a measure of faith. We have a measure of faith whether we feel, feel it or not. And in faith, it may start out small, but we have the opportunity to grow our faith to build our faith. We have the opportunity to, to put ourselves in a situation to where our faith, our faith matures through obedience. And nothing, nothing grows our faith more than when we step out and do something we've never done before. And I'm not telling you to step out and do something dumb, but I'm telling you, you know there's some things that God wants you to do. You've been knowing it in your knower. By the way, this is in the Greek, you all have a knower. You all have a knower, okay? You, 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 know, you know God's asking you to do something, and it could be something very simple or it could be something hard, and, and you just have put it off. When you step out and do that and you see God meet you and you see God work things out, man, that's how our faith grows. I had this person came to me one day and they said, hey, Terry, if somebody got saved and all they want to do was to grow in their faith, how long, and, and, and you didn't have anything else to do, how long until you could help them become a mature Christian? I said, I don't know, five years, eight years? They're like, no, 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 you have all the time in the world. All you do is disciple them. But see, that's the thing. I can get all the head knowledge in there, but you have to go through life and, and your faith has to meet a situation in life, and you have to jump over that hurdle and, and trust God. That's, that's how you grow. So we can have head knowledge, but in our daily lives, we come into a situation, and faith says, oh, I know what to do, and I trust God, and, and I'm, and I'm going to do that. And so it takes a little bit of time. Okay. Now let's go to the main text today, which is, comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. And if it I forgot to mention there's sermon notes in your bulletin. Uh, if you have the YouVersion the app, you can get the message notes online or up on the screen. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is having confidence and assurance 
when what we hope for we can't see physically in the natural realm. And again, what faith is, faith sees in the spiritual realm before it comes to reality in the natural realm. That, that's just what, what faith is. Anyone can believe. If, if I give you something, I say, well, do you believe that? Well, yeah, I believe it. You see because you possess it. Faith is possessing something in your heart in the spiritual realm before you possess it in the natural realm. So faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were, commi- were committed for. Uh, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made of what was visible. And if you have time, read the rest of Hebrews 11. It goes on and lists all of the, basically the hall of faith, the hall of fame, the hall of faith. It lists Abraham and all these uh, men and women who, who, who really, they believe God in faith. So I want to talk to you today about the incubation of faith. The incubation of faith. And if you don't know what incubation is, incubation is, is when something is born uh, and, and, and it's growing over a process of time. So what I want to tell you today is that all faith has to grow. No, none of us are born. None of us come to Jesus. None of us give our lives to him. And then just all of a sudden we have a mature, dynamic faith that just believes and trusts in every situation. No, what happens, God gives us a measure of faith, and then there's an incubation period in our life. How it works is it's in you, and you're working with it, and as you step out and do things, it continues to grow into the point where things that used to be difficult to believe for, oh, that's not a problem anymore. Now I'm moving on to bigger things. So so let's, let's talk about the incubation of faith. Let's go back to verse 1 of Hebrews 11 again. It says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. In the New King James Version, it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now a substance that has a stage of development, a period of incubation, before, it, before it, it grows to full strength. And there, there are basically four steps in the process of incubation of your faith. There, there's four things you have to do uh, to, to grow your faith. And so if you're here today, it doesn't matter if you have a, a little bitty small measure of faith. It doesn't matter if you have a medium. What I want to tell you today, if you want to grow your faith, there's four steps to growing your faith. All of us can do these things if we really want to. But you can leave today and you can start incubating your faith. You can grow your faith. The first thing is this, very simple. Uh, You have to envision a clear-cut objective. So first, to use your faith, you must must envision a clear-cut objective, a clear-cut goal, uh, a vision. Remember, it says faith is the substance of things, clearly defined, well-thought-out things. So faith faith is... Faith is, you know, um, it's the substance or the confidence that certain things that you see, certain things that God's shown you, that one day they're they're gonna they're gonna come to pass. They're gonna they're gonna be birthed into your life. And so here's the thing: we talked about vision in week one. If you only have a vague idea of what you want, how can you really develop faith for something vague? 
how can you really get passionate about something, uh, something that, that, that's vague? How can you get on your knees and pray to God if you can't even ask him what it is you truly want? God, make my life better. I mean, think about it, clear. So, so the first step is you have to have a clear-cut objective, a clear-cut vision. Let, let me give you an illustration that I heard many years ago. Um, the, the, greatest, the greatest spiritual leader of the 20th century is, is, is Dr. Cho in South Korea. He started, out, he started his church in an army tent left over from the Korean War with four beggars. And over the next 35, 40 years, his church grew to 750,000 people. 750,000 people. He had so many people, they couldn't build buildings big enough, so he started taking 10,000 people and starting a church. He said, well, the problem with that is when you just take a young pastor and give them 10,000 people, they don't really know what to do, you know? Not many people can handle 10,000 people. So, but he said, let me tell you something that happened. When I was very young, I just started ministry, and I was so poor. Korea was ravished. I lived in, in a little studio apartment. I had no furniture. I had nothing, no table, no bed, no chair. I had nothing. And I had to walk nine miles to, to minister to the people I was ministering to. So 18 miles round trip. And so he was, as he was reading his Bible, you know, it says, man, the Bible says that I'm a child of the king. The Bible says I'm a priest. And so he got all excited about his faith. And he's like, I shouldn't be living in abject poverty. So he asked God for three things. He said, God, I want a desk so I can study. I want a chair so I can sit in to study. And I want a bicycle so I don't have to walk nine miles every day. Now, isn't that something? He didn't ask for a bed. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for a car. Let me ask you those three things. And so four or five months went by, and he, he started complaining to God. He said, God... I ask for these things, and yet I don't have them. And God says, well, that's the problem with my children. You ask in such vague terms. He's like, do you know how many, this is God speaking to Dr. Church, do you know how many chairs there are? Do you know how many desks there are? Do you know how many bicycles there are? I don't know which one to give you. <laughs> and so then he's like, aha. And so he said, I want, I want a, Phil, uh, a Philippine mahogany desk. I want a chair with wheels so I can roll around my apartment like a big shot. And I want an American-made bicycle because those are the best bikes made over there at the time. And he said, man, I prayed and I had so much faith. So the next day he walked nine miles. He got in front of this group of people he was ministering to. And he just said, God has given me a Philippine mahogany desk. He has given me a chair to roll around my apartment. He's given me a bike to ride. So these, these three boys said, Man, Cho doesn't have anything. He's as poor as we are. And said, so we're going to walk back to you with your apartment to see these things. And so as he's walking back, he's like, God, you have to help me. You have to help me. He's like, I went out in faith for you, for you. He said, so I was really hoping that when I got back, they would be there on the, on the porch, you know, right in front of my door. He said they weren't. And so the guy said, where are they? And he's like, he said, uh. He said, let me ask you a question. How long were you in your mother's womb? And he said, nine months. He said, well, I am pregnant. <laughs> with a desk, a chair, and a bike. <laughs> and so the next day, he went to minister to those same people. And they're all running around. Is, we have never seen a man pregnant with a desk, a chair, and a bike. 
But you know what? Within two months, he had all those things. There was a missionary that was an American missionary that was leaving, gave him his bike. He had all those things. So let me ask you a question. Faith, faith has to have a clear-cut object. You have to clearly articulate what you want. So here, here, let me ask you something. If you're praying for a better job, there are a lot of jobs out there. Tell God what kind of job you want, what days you want to work, where you want it to be. Be specific. If you're starting a business and you don't have any contracts and, and you need work, Tell God, ask God, tell him exactly the type of contracts you want. If you're looking for a spouse, don't just pray for God to give me a good woman. What color hair do you want her to have? How tall do you want her to be? I could have really gone with that, but I'm going to behave myself. I am really going to behave myself, and I don't want to. But, but think about it. What kind of character quality do you want in her? We got to be specific. God, we need a new car. Our car is breaking down. What kind of car do you want? Do you want one that the air conditioner works? I mean, what do you, what do you want? Tell God what you want. You have to know what you want for the faith just to, just to birth in here, to, to be birthed in you. And, you know, many years ago when we started family life, many years ago, 19 years ago, we started in our home. And God had given us a vision to have a multicultural church. I mean, we went to a conference and this guy pulled us out of the crowd and prophesied this stuff over us. He didn't even know we were going to start a church. And he said, you know, multi, you know multicultural, multigenerational. So we started in our church and we had 13 white people. They were really white. Just like me. Just like me. You attract who you are, not who you want, right? And so anyway, uh, you know, I used to... And then we moved into a daycare, and I used to, they would set all the chairs up, and when people would leave, you know, I would get in there, and in my mind, I knew about 20 people were coming. But in my spiritual heart, I started praying for every chair to be full. I could see every chair being full. I could see people I could see black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people. I could, I could see it. And, and we started specifically praying for the type of people we wanted us to bring. You know, we prayed for two years before we had our first African-American family. It's always hardest to get your first. I mean, what do you do if you're, if you're African-American, you walk into a church and there's 20 white people? I mean, think about it. And then they just... they. People just started coming, just started coming. Different races, different groups. And a, a joke in my family is a, a couple years ago, Trinity was a freshman in high school, and I came home and all my kids, white Tracy, were laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? And they showed me a picture. And it was a picture of the youth group at that time. And I'm like, well, what's funny? They're, they're like, look at it. I'm, I'm looking at it. And, and one of my boys said, Trinity's the only white girl in youth. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay, that's funny. But you get what you pray for. You have to, you have, to have a clear-cut objective. You have, to, you have to clearly articulate to God and yourself what you want so you can begin to believe for that thing to happen. Number two. Number two is uh, you have to have a burning desire. You have to have a burning desire. Many pre people, they get all excited and they pray for something. By the end of the day, they forgot about it. You cannot have... 
what does not possess your heart. That's profound. You cannot have what does not possess your heart. Whatever possesses your heart, you will have. Whatever you have a burning desire to do, that's what you, that's what you will do. If you have a burning desire to get better at golf, I believe you can get better at golf. If you have a burning desire to, to progress in your career, I believe you can do it. You have a burning desire to meet face-to-face with God and, and, and have the Holy Spirit impact your life, I believe you can have that. But what I don't believe is I don't believe you can have something that you're not excited about. I don't believe you can have something that you're not passionate about, that you're not willing to sacrifice for. You have to have a burning desire. They have to have a burning desire to possess that thing. So faith starts with a clear vision, and it continues to grow if you have a burning desire to accomplish that vision. Proverbs 10, 24, it says this, the desire of the righteous will be granted. The, the desire, the desire will be granted Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So the problem is that most people don't have a burning desire, a consuming burden to accomplish a God-given vision. Sometimes I talk to people who are are getting older in life, and they, they feel like, you know, they have enough money, they finished their career, and, and they're just kind of wandering through life. And I'm like, man, you got to pray and ask God to give you a new desire. I mean, you're going to live another 20 years. Pray for him to birth something in your spirit that excites you. Pray for him to give you something that's going to take a, a while to do. But, but think about this. Just, just if, if you think about it, I, I believe it makes sense. You know, I, I meet with a lot of people, and there's two types of people. There's people who really want something, and there's people who think it would be nice. I mean, I've counseled with thousands of people as I've been a pastor. And when people come in, and if it's a marriage counseling session, the first, in five minutes, I know, in three minutes, in two minutes. Well, we would like to stop fighting. I, I mean, come, come. And other people come in and say, you know, our marriage isn't going so well, so well. We'll do whatever needs to be done to make our marriage better. We'll join a small group. We'll take a conference. We'll read a book. And I'm like, there we go. There we go. They're going to get a better marriage because it's possessed them. And I don't mean possessed in a bad way. There's a great desire. There, there's a burning desire. When I, I, years ago when, when Trace and I led the Dave Ramsey class, the financial peace class, of course now the, the Bessents lead that. And uh, you should take that just to spend more time with them. Ralph and Benita, raise your hand. Two of the godliest people I know. You ought to take it just to spend time with them. But again, the, the same curriculum, but some people are, you know, they come in. Hey, have you done your budget? Well, you know, we're working on it. And uh, the other people come in, they got a spreadsheet. The next 12 years, right? I mean, some people are like, man, we are getting out of debt. We're we're changing this. We're cutting up our credit card. What's the difference? The difference is desire, whatever you have a desire for. So if you need to do something in your life and you don't have a desire, stop right now and start praying for God to give you a burning desire to do that. You got to have a desire before you can do it. We can't do anything that we're not motivated to do. 
Again, I'll, I'll use myself. I, I used this a while back, but, you know, every once in a while I see pictures of how I was a long time ago. And I'm like, man, I could do that again. Come on, man, I could do that again. And, but then I start thinking about how much work that was. And then I'm thinking, man, I, Tracy likes me the way I am, right? <laughs> and then that, that evening, I walk by a mirror, I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And then about 9 o'clock at night, I remember we had Bluebell in the fridge. That's it, right? That's it. But you got to be willing to, to pay the price and do that. I know many of you have many hobbies. I don't have many hobbies. I have one thing that I really like to do outside of work. I like to fish. And so I took some vacation days this, uh, this past week, and I went fishing down in Ranzas Pass. And, man, I, I, I just, I, two, day, two mornings ago, I just caught some beautiful, big redfish. I caught my lemon and redfish two, two times. But here's the thing. So Tracy asked me, because normally when you're fishing and you find some fish, the next day there's like 15 boats there, right? And Tracy asked me, she said, uh, are there any boats where you're fishing? I'm like, oh, no, no one's there. She's like, well, why not? Well, because I have to anchor my boat. There's shallow bars. You can't get a boat in there. And I have to wait about three football fields through that stinky mud that sinks. Another what I'm saying is you have to want to go there. Like you have to love to catch redfish, right? Now, if you catch one, you'll be there with me, okay? But what I'm saying is uh, I had a desire to do that. There's a lot of people that are out there fishing their boats. They don't have a desire to do that. Whatever you have a desire to do, you can accomplish. For your faith to incubate, you have to have a clear vision and you have to have a burning desire. The, those, those two things, you cannot do anything without those. The third thing is you have to pray and ask God to give you assurance. It says faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. That word, the word a substance there in the Greek language is the word hypostasis. And it, it, in the English, it literally means to possess the title deed or legal paperwork. So the, the thought is this. After, when you have a vision and you have a burning desire, you have to pray until God gives you the assurance that you can have that thing. Because here's the thought. During the process of faith, you're going to feel like quitting. You're going to feel like giving up. But if you know in your knower that God has given it to you, that it's your land, it's your possession, it's your inheritance, you, you'll keep going. You'll keep going. When, when, again, many years ago when we were starting this church, uh, Trace and I, we prayed for six months before we even came. And I, 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 I felt the assurance that God was going to help us. Well, in, in reality, 80% of all churches that start don't make it. And I'm telling you, there were some really depressive days. We never had no one show up, but we did have one person show up one time. How do you get up every day and try to do church when you don't have anyone coming? Because the devil's saying you should just close it up. You should shut, up, shut, you know, shut the doors. Well, if you know that God has given it to you and that God's going to help you, it changes. You don't see what, what happens on one Sunday isn't reality. That's just the process of God developing, you know, our, our, our character. So, again, now some people ask me, how long does it take to get, to, to get assurance? Well, it's different for every situation. It may take you two minutes. 
It may take you two days. It may take you two weeks. It may take you two years. But you have to have the assurance for your faith to reach, uh, you know, maturity. The last thing is this, is we have to begin to speak it into existence. Proverbs 18.21, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, in, the, uh, in, this, in, in, in psychology, they have a term called self-fulfilling prophecy. And self-fulfilling prophecy, this is what they mean by it. And it's true, it's true, that whatever you consistently speak about yourself and whatever other people consistently speak about you, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, if the kid's growing up and all the teachers are negative on them, oh, that kid's a trouble, that kid's that, that kid's not smart, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, here, here's the thing. The truth is, when anything that other people speak over us, we can break because that's a curse, and Jesus gave us the power to do that. But I hear people, even in this church, how you talk sometimes. You cannot expect great things in your life if you're spewing out negative, critical, self-demeaning things. Start speaking like the God of the universe is on your side. Start speaking in faith. Start claiming things that you do not see. And, and, and let me tell you this. You need to watch out who you hang around with because if you start talking around that about some, with someone who's not a Christian or someone who's critical, they'll think you've lost your mind. Get around people who have faith. And, and I'm telling you, when I used to be in front of that auditorium, I just, I, I come in here. I come in here, every, not a week goes by that I don't come in here and pray for you. And I just see, Lord, you gave us this building. I just pray you're filling every seat in here. I pray for multiple services. I pray for salvations. I, it doesn't matter if no one gets saved today. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just promoting that. God, just bring life to this church. Bring passion to this church. And you get what you speak. But if you have a vision, God is giving you a vision, and you have a burning desire, and he's giving you assurance, you have to start speaking it into existence. You have to start speaking it. You know, you're having problems with your kids. And if you're a parent at some point, everyone has a problem with their kids, right? A universal thing, right? If you've never had a problem with your kid, you just didn't know, right? <laughs> you just didn't know. Ask other people. But anyway, off the subject, off the subject. Oh, now, now I forgot what I was going to say. If, you, if you're having problems with, with, your, with your kids, don't speak over them what you see. Amen. Speak over them what you want them to become. Amen. This is what you're, you're going to come. This is what you're going to do. This is, I mean, you're going to be a, a child of God. You're going to be, man, you just start speaking life. It, do, it, it, does, it doesn't matter. See, the devil's wanting to discourage you about your children, other people. I don't know what they're trying to do. But if, if, if you're their parent, you're their guardian, you're watching over them, if you buy into that, what's that going to do for the child? we got to speak life. we got to just speak life and health. Romans 4.17 says this. It says, the God who gives life to the dead or who raises the dead 
and create something out of nothing. See, here's the truth. Only God is creative. See, like, we, we think we're creative. There's creative arts classes. But they're making something out of something. Creative would be if you could make matter and then make something of it. God is the only one who's creative. He makes something out of nothing. If you're here today and you say, I got nothing going good in my life, you, you need a creative God in your life. He's the only one that can make something out of nothing. So you're, 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 in, you're in right where you need to be. You just need to acknowledge God and ask him to help. He, he creates nothing, something out of nothing. So the God who gives life to the dead and who creates something out of nothing. That's an incredible scripture. So faith is an essential ingredient if we want to reach our full potential. And it's difficult to accomplish great things that don't just happen by accident. They happen because our faith wills them into existence. It's a battle. And our faith has to help us overcome all the things that are against us. And so we've all been given a measure of faith. So all we have to do is allow that measure of faith to incubate in our lives. Allow it to start coming up and allow it to start growing. You know, start, start get a vision of where you want to be. Pray for God to give you a burning, a burning desire. H- have you ever had a burning desire in your life? No, seriously, sometimes I talk to people and they have never had a burning desire. Pray, God, give me something that just burns. Give me something that wakes me up at night. Give me something that gives me, causes me to have dreams and visions. You got got to have that. We're not made just to coast through life. We're made to have a vision of doing something great. We're made to have a burning passion and pray for the assurance of God to give us that thing and then just start speaking life into that. Would you stand with me today? Would you take just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to speak to your heart? Let's, let, let's just really exercise ourselves this morning. Let's just really begin to just think, man, are there areas of my life that my faith isn't big enough and I need to incubate that faith to grow? God, I just, I come before you this morning, Lord. And God, we're just, we're wanting everyone to understand these laws of success and really implement them in their lives so that they can do, Lord, so their their lives can have more meaning, not just to them, but to others, God, for others. And Lord, I just pray today we talk about the law of faith, God. And Lord, sometimes people think that Oh, it just happens for some people, but it doesn't happen for other. Lord, I just pray that today you bring the realization that all of us can grow our faith, that all of us can do greater things. All of us can do things of significance that impacts our community, that impacts the kingdom of God, that impacts even our local community, Lord God. I'm gonna do something this morning. If you're here this morning, you said, you know, Terry, I know 
that I haven't done, done a, a good job of, of incubating my faith and really causing it to grow, but, but I, I want this in my life. I just want to pray for you this morning. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord? And, and maybe you have something here, the, here this morning that you're really worried about, you're really concerned about. It's causing you anxiety. It's causing you uh, sleepless nights. And let's just give that issue to God this morning. Let's give that issue to God. Let's trust God in faith this morning. Father God, I just pray this morning. Lord, I pray that faith is just overcoming us today. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit is just imparting people with faith today. God, I pray that family life is going to be known. We're going to be known as a people of great faith, God. Of people that don't look at the natural circumstances, but God, who have a God-given vision in their lives, Lord. Who go after just doing great things for you. God, I pray for every area of our lives here this morning, all the areas that people may be struggling with today. And God, I pray that you're building great faith in their lives, God. Give them faith to believe you. Give them faith to trust you, Lord God. Lord, give them a burning desire that takes them to their knees, God, in prayer. Give them a burning desire that causes them to fast and pray and to seek your face. God, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you're putting in us something that we can't get away from, God. The clear vision and a burning desire to do incredible things for you. God, to do incredible things for the kingdom. God, I just, I just, I just pray for that, God, and I just release that today. God, that we wouldn't be able to be casual Christians, God. That we wouldn't be able to be complacent Christians. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be able just to slide by in life. But God, we would want something more for our lives, God. More eternal purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, God, I pray this morning as we dismiss. And I just pray, Lord, your word is very clear. That when we give our lives to you, Lord God, that we're in covenant with you and all the blessings, all the inheritance that Jesus has won for us, it's rightfully ours. And so God, this morning, we claim our spiritual inheritance, God. This morning, I break the power of poverty and I pray you're blessing our people. God, I break, I break the curse of divorce. God, I break... I pray, God, just mediocre lives, and I pray that you're blessing our family, our children, our marriages. God, I just declare today greater things for our church, God. Greater things, Lord God. I just, Lord, we, we, we refuse to settle for second best. God, we want your best. We want the blessings that Jesus has won in our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, guys, could you help us out this morning? Help us stack these chairs. God bless you. Have a great week.